Loving Father, we're grateful once again to come back together this morning. Also at the conclusion of our conference here at Amen, we're grateful for all of the things that we have learned. And we thank you for the many challenges that you've presented to our own hearts to come up a little higher. We ask, O oh God, that that same power that has been demonstrated from the beginning of these meetings will be revealed in double portion now at its close. It was the closing words of Jesus that was the most important to pay attention to. Father, please give us ears to hear. Grant us your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, we pray, of our sins. And thank you for hearing our prayer. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This does not look too bad for the last morning meeting. <laughs> Tells me you're hungry. And that's all right. I want to thank God for the opportunity for us to study. We're going to recap. We got a good bit to cover. We reviewed Bible prophecy at the beginning of our first session together in the morning. We saw very clearly that a time of religious aggression is getting ready to come. It's a very real thing. You know, we can ignore it if we choose, but it would be only to our own detriment. There's nothing that we can do to change the reality of what the Bible has already prophesied through the pen of God's spirit inspiring and touching the hearts of men and women. There's nothing we can do to change that. But what we can do is, by his grace, make sure we're ready and to help others to be ready. And so it is that we were told very specifically, and I, I always appreciate that about God's words and his, his inspired writings, is that he does not leave us to guess. We have a little book called Great Controversy. I would encourage you to read page 598. And it says in Great Controversy 598 that we have a chart. And by the way, that chart is the Bible. It says we have a chart that points out every waymark on the heavenward journey, and we do not have to guess at anything. We don't have to guess what to do next or what should we be doing or try to come up with our own ideas. God has laid it out. And so it is, he showed us. A time of religious aggression is coming. What does he want us to do about it? It says, as religious aggression subverts the liberties of our nation, those who stand for freedom of conscience will be placed in what kind of positions? unfavorable positions. Therefore, it says, for their own sake, while they have opportunity, we should become intelligent in regard to four things. What were the four things? Disease. What else? Causes. What else? Prevention and cure. Now, I would encourage you to read this whole entire chapter because it was written to nurses and physicians. Isn't that something? This was written to the medical practitioners, that we are to understand that a time of religious aggression is coming. Therefore, like never before, we should be educators and help people understand these things. We're told all those who do this will find a field of labor anywhere. There will be suffering ones, plenty of them, who will need help, not only among those of our own faith, but largely among those who know not the truth. The shortness of time demands an energy that has not been aroused among those who claim to believe the present truth. And so it is we began to be obedient to this counsel and we started to study it out. So we looked at disease. We remember that though there's a way that we can look at disease purely from a secular standpoint, we don't want to disregard it holistically, 
But we also want to make sure that it is inclusive of the inspired standpoint. The inspired standpoint that we looked at yesterday on what is disease, we learned that disease is an effort of nature to free the system from conditions that result from a violation of the laws of health. I remember I was going to a hospital to see someone. And as I was there, you know, you know, a lot of times people, people get confused by my eyebrows. They think I'm like this deep, serious guy all the time. Don't get fooled by the thick eyebrows. I was born with that. I had no choice. But I will tell you, I'm a very friendly, cool, kind guy. You know, I like to have fun. And one of these days I was in the hospital, I said, I'm going to have some fun. Because there was a whole bunch of doctors and nurses that came in there. So I was with a friend, and we're in the elevator, and the elevator's going up. And I was just like, hey, I said, hey, have you ever thought of what disease is? Because it was quiet. You know, folks sometimes don't like to talk to each other. So it was quiet in the elevator. So I took full advantage of it. I said, you know what disease is? And my friend was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'll just, you know, when people get sick, something. I said, disease is an effort of nature to free the system from conditions that result from a violation of the laws of health. And then I started looking up. And you saw all the physicians and nurses go, you know, I mean, it was just, it was just, oh man, it was one of those nice laughing moments. It was just, you know, they were just, that, that was pretty good. I never heard that before. And they just walked out. And, you know, and it, it's a beautiful thing, my friends. If we really begin to understand this, it is a deep knowledge to understand that disease is an effort of nature. We understand this when you think of a fever. That's why you ever heard that term, your, a fever is your friend? You ever heard that term before? A fever is your friend? Because it's, it's, an, it's an effort naturally that the body is trying to create an atmosphere that whatever that virus is or bacteria that's causing the problem can somehow be rooted out via sweating or whatever else the case may be, accentu- you know, at, um, initiating the white blood cells to get more radical in their activity, etc. The point is, is that this is our best way to understand disease. So when somebody says, what is hypertension? Yes, we're going to talk about vasoconstriction, vasodilation, etc. But before that, we need to understand that hypertension is an effort of nature to free the system from a condition that resulted from a violation of the laws of health. That is what we need to add to that pool of knowledge that we have. Now, when this part comes up, God did not leave us there. He gave us continued counsel. Because yesterday, we didn't just look at disease, but we also studied its causes. And so it is that we're told in the continuation of the council, all coming from page 127, in case of sickness. Now, listen, you can look at this either as a suggestion or an instruction coming directly from God. I believe it is not a suggestion. It's an instruction, and there's wisdom in it. Look at what it says. In case of sickness, what's the first thing that should be done? The cause should be ascertained. That challenges a lot of us in the medical community because a lot of times when people have problems, we deal with those problems from a symptomatic point of view. But a lot of times we're not going after the cause. And then what we're doing is we're providing medications and instructions and all these other things to deal with symptoms. But if we're not careful, we've never ascertained the cause. So that person may leave the office and come back a few weeks later. And I don't know, maybe that's what some people want. But the reality is, is that the best reward to a physician is that they don't see their patient anymore, at least not in their place of occupation. That the person can leave there, get well, and the only time we see each other is at a picnic or in a store or some other place, but hopefully that you don't have to keep coming back to me as the physician. You understand that? That's, that, that should be the heartbeat of our desire to help others. We want them to get well. We want them to be restored completely. And it starts by understanding the cause of the problem, because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The cure is typically in the cause. 
The sooner you find out what is causing the problem, you more than likely have identified your path for cure. So the first step is the cause needs to be ascertained. But then what's the next step? It says unhealthful conditions should be changed. If a person has lung cancer, well, we know that one of the great things that can contribute to that is smoking. So one of the things we can do is understand the cause. But then if they're in an unhealthful condition, then they need to change that. Maybe you need to get out of that place where you're constantly breathing in the smoke. You understand that? This was my mother. My mother wasn't a smoker. She ended up with lung cancer. But how did she get it? She, it was secondhand smoking. My dad was the smoker, but my mother was in the unhealthful condition. She was in that environment. You understand that? And so it is says, the cause should be ascertained. The unhealthful condition changed. And then step number three, the wrong habit must be corrected. If you are a smoker, you should stop smoking. Correct the wrong habit. This is how God, it's amazing to think that God's words of inspiration actually shows us how to deal with sickness and disease, which our world is an absolute laser house right now. And so it says, the wrong habit should be corrected. What's the next word after the word corrected? No, 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 hold on. No, you're moving too fast. I said word, I didn't say words. What's the next word? Then, now what, when you say then, that means that the previous steps should have been done. Is that right? That's, the, that's why you use the word then. It is assumptive that you have done the previous steps, so now go to this step. Brothers and sisters, the, the point is so simple. Then nature is to be assisted in doing two things. Number one, nature is to be assisted in her effort to expel the impurity. Number three, or number two, reestablish right conditions in the system. This is God's program for health. No man can improve on this. No organization can prove, improve on this. This is God's plan. God says when somebody is sick, find out why they're sick. Then after that, if there's an unhealthful condition, show them how to change it. If there's a wrong habit, show them how to correct it. Then go to the remedy. How many times, even in the natural world, let's say, you know, somebody goes to a herbologist. You know, it's amazing. Oh, I got a stomachache. They go to somebody and say, I have a stomachache. I've had it for weeks. Somebody says, oh, drink this tea. You know, I, I meet people all the time that call themselves medical missionaries. And if we're not careful, we can disqualify ourselves just by the way we deal with stuff. Because as soon as somebody has a headache or a stomachache or whatever, immediately we're running to the then and we didn't even do steps one to three. And this is done in the pharmaceutical world and this is done in the nutraceutical world. And it's a problem because they're both extremes and neither one of them are God's plan. Do you understand that? Really and truly, do you understand that that's not God's plan? It's man's plan, but it's not God's plan. God wants us, and I'm not saying that you don't deal with an issue. If somebody has a high blood pressure spike or their sugar spikes or something like that, yes, you got to go to a remedy to control it. Before, Because you can't, you can't say somebody comes in and their blood pressure is 200 over such and such. You can't say, sit down. Now, did you know that salt is not good? That's not the time to go into you know, this mass form of education. Deal with the emergency. That's understood. But once that person gets stabilized... We should be following that blueprint faithfully. Can you say amen to that? 
Amen. So this is God's idea of how to deal with sickness and disease. So today we're talking about prevention and cure. Yesterday we talked about disease and its causes. We learned yesterday that the cause for disease, according to scripture, which is the word of God, which we said we trust. Do you still trust the Bible? Amen. So according to the word of God, we learned yesterday that sin is the cause of disease. Sin. What is sin? It's the violation of God's law. What law? His moral Ten Commandments and his laws of health. When we violate these laws, we get sick. There are special cases where one can get sick where it may not have involved a violation of God's law. Job is a great example of that. The Bible says very clearly that Job was a perfect and upright man, etc. But nevertheless, he still got a disease. And when it came upon him, it was an opportunity for him to glorify God, to demonstrate his faithfulness and prove that what God said is true, that the devil is a liar. But nevertheless, the general rule is that disease comes as a result of violation of the law of God. Now, it doesn't always mean that it's your violation. There's certain parts of India today where a precious little young eight, nine-year-old girl will be walking in the neighborhood. And as she's walking, a man possessed with a demon can actually go ahead and violate that precious child and rape that child. If that child ends up with a sexually transmitted disease, was it because of sin? Well, you sound like the mixed multitude. I hear no and yes. Was it because of sin? Yes. Was it because of her sin? No. So please understand that when we read disease is an effort of nature to free the system, etc., violation of the laws, it is, to un- it is to be understood that it may not, though most times, it's as a result of our violation. But there are times that somebody can get sick and we did not violate, but somebody else did. I know of a family who was getting food from their garden, and they were eating food from the garden. Is that a good thing, to eat food from your garden? That's a great thing. I wish more of us did that. Well, this person was eating food from their garden. They got sick. They were wondering why they got sick, because they were like, I'm eating food from my garden, but the food from my garden was making me sick. So they didn't understand why that happened. What they did not know is that not far away, unbeknownst to them, they didn't pay attention to it, is that there was a nuclear plant that was not terribly far away from their location of where they lived. There were all sorts of chemicals and things that was coming from that plant that was getting into the air. It would create almost like a little fog over them. And literally, that stuff was falling and resting even on their plantation, and they started to eat their plantation, and they were getting sick. They ended up selling their property. They had to move to another location, and they were far more judicious about where they would live and what was around them. Sometimes we can get sick. It's not because of us. It might be because of someone else's greed, someone else's neglect, someone else's carelessness, someone else's sin. But nevertheless, we can potentially suffer. And so sin is the root foundation as far as the cause for disease. And it's caused as a result of violation of God's moral law or God's physical laws. We learned that yesterday. But when somebody gets sick, they want a cure. Is that right? They want a cure. Now, I want to go ahead and say this because typically when a lay person 
comes before a group of medical individuals and, 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 and speaks about things with health and etc., and quotes Bible and spirit of prophecy, sometimes there's a natural thought that comes up in the mind, I bet this guy is going to come up here and he's going to bash all my medications. Now, if that's the thought, I want to let you know you're half right. Because the, the truth of the matter is, is that there, there is a place for drug medication, and I want to start there. If, if, I'm not here to go around saying, medications, no, and you should already know that with me. Didn't I have heart surgery last year? They didn't put no herb on my chest. They, they, had to, you know, they had to use some meds, and I took it. And so, you know, there's a time and place for these things. But I do think that we, as God's people, can do a judicious level of study that we can hopefully create a balance that is born of heaven. I attempt to do that in these few moments. So watch this. When we think about drug medication, one of the first things I would do is say, how many of you have this in your library? All right. Very good book. Very, very good book, all right? Uh, Dr. Mervyn G. Harding, and what he did was he put together a book, A Physician Explains Ellen White's Counsel on Drugs, Herbs, and Natural Remedies. Very good book. I would definitely recommend that you add that to your library as a point of education. Very good book. It helps avoid... One of the things I appreciated in the book is that it helps avoid both extremes. There are some people that are like pharmaceuticals only. That is an extreme. There are some people that are like, only the natural, never pharmaceuticals, no matter what. That's an extreme. Jesus was balanced. God's people, the followers of Christ, Christians, should be balanced. Amen? So when I started to look at this, I thought that this was pretty powerful. Did you know that there were several times by which Ellen White recommended things that were, and took things that were of a pharmaceutical nature? or were contrary to her general counsels. I'll give you an example. If I were to put these references up, and this is where you probably want to get your camera out if you want to take some pictures, I would show you that there were medications that Ellen White either used or recommended at different points in times. Here's an example. Number one, we're going to consider seasickness. When somebody was suffering with seasickness, did you know that Ellen White would recommend the drinking of coffee to help battle the seasickness? Or tea, and I'm talking about regular tea. I'm not talking about peppermint or chamomile. I'm talking about regular black tea, the kind of tea that we have writings and councils on diets and foods by which she would say this should not be consumed by God's people as a mere beverage. This is being spoken of as a medicine. And so it is that right there, second selected messages, 302 and 303, there were times that for seasickness, she said take some coffee or take some tea. Then there was the tonic, or a calming agent. Can you imagine that? What was recommended? Wine. It says, this is testimonies on the case of Elder E.P. Daniels, 1888. There was a time that she recommended to take wine for this issue, the same wine that we are told in the Bible that's a mocker and, and strong drink is raging, etc. But there was a place for it. This was not speaking about grape juice in this context. It really wasn't. This was a thing that, that was at that time used as a form of medicine. Now, when we know more, we do more. When we know better, we do better. But this was a time where this is what was there, this is what they used. So watch this. Stress and anxiety, catnip tea. Is anything wrong with catnip tea? Catnip tea is perfectly fine. Catnip tea is actually very good for more than just quieting the nerves. But nevertheless, you read that in Second Selected Messages 297. Then you had insomnia, 
hops. Today, we still recommend valerian hops for individuals who suffer with insomnia. Insomnia, that second selected message is 297 again. Then you had pain relief. Alcohol was actually recommended. Manuscript release, pay, uh, one, 1033, the letter, 1033. Then you had malaria. That was when the father lost his son because of what he thought he was doing in the name of obedience. I am not giving my son the quinine because that's a poisonous drug, and Ellen White says stay away from drugs. He didn't give it to his son. His son died. He sees Ellen White. He asks Ellen White, should I have given my son the quinine? The answer was, yes, you should have. Second selected messages, page 282 in the footnote. Then you have cholera, the cholera mixtures. Now, this is where we start getting into more powerful drugs, far more toxicity, okay? With the cholera mixtures, manuscript release, book 8, Page 85, Ellen White recommended the cholera mixtures at times. Then there was surgical procedures. Of course, we're going to use that. Anesthetics, that was something that was used in the surgical procedures. You can read that in Second Selected Messages, page 284 and 285, and Manuscript Release, book 8, page 85. She also recommended nitrous oxide. Some of this stuff was poisonous. You know, this stuff was not the best for the system, Okay. But there were times and cases and places where this may have been appropriate. Finally, that wicked disease, number two, running up for number one, even in such a time as this, cancer. Ellen White herself used to recommend that people would take cancer powders. Do you know that cancer powders, if you were to study the history of cancer powders, it was high-level toxic stuff, okay? It was, it was not the thing you take for the norm. It was under an extreme circumstance, under an extreme case. But here we have it, letter 236, 1906. There are times and there are places where there may be a call to take a drug medication, especially if it is an emergency, an issue of trauma, or especially if there's just absolutely nothing else available. There may be a time that these things are appropriate. Today, when we have to undergo major surgeries, like a heart surgery, lung surgery, brain surgery, even with, you know, your teeth. Now, I heard somebody tell me how uh, they, they said, I, I don't want any Novocaine. I'll just bear it. And as soon as that dentist started, zzz, they said, work, 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 give me that Novocaine. And, and they understood there's some people who might be able to take it, but there's other people who understand. Now, here's the key. When I got my heart surgery, brothers and sisters, I knew I'm going to have to take some Percocet for at least a few days. Because if I, cho if I chose to be a tough guy and say, I'm, I'm not taking no Percocet, I'm going to overcome my heart disease naturally, or heart surgery naturally, and so on. My brothers and sisters, if I would have tried to bear that pain, that would have put a lot of stress on my tender heart that was just, you know, a surgical procedure was just done on it. It would not have been wise. And so what did I do? I took the Percocet. But here's the thing I would recommend to every single one of you. In every drug, there's at least a little, if not a lot, of poison. Straight up poison. Bad stuff. Not good for the body. So here's the deal. If you ever do have to take a drug for any reason, emergency, trauma, or etc., once your body, through the grace and power of God of how he naturally made our bodies to heal itself, once your body gets back to a state of normalcy, you need to do a detox and you need to do a cleanse, 
and you need to get a lot of that potential residual toxicity that remains in the system and get that thing out of you. If you don't know how to do that, I'm going to make some references at the end that we can talk about. But the bottom line is you do want to detox because drugs can work like a mercenary. They can hang around a little later on and cause later destruction. And, it's, and if you don't believe me, just read Ministry of Healing 126. Everything I just said is right there. And so I want to make it clear from the jump that God is not saying no drugs under no circumstances. There are times, places, and cases where drug medication will be used. But we are told that physicians are to educate the people that drugs do not cure. Remember, physicians are educators. There's a way you can lie directly, and there's a way you can lie indirectly. And one of the ways we can lie indirectly is when we don't tell a lie, we just simply withhold the truth. Did you hear what I just said? There's a way that we can lie directly, and there's a way we can lie indirectly. The way that a lot of us can lie indirectly is when we don't so much, you know, not tell a lie, but we withhold the truth. You and I need to understand the human mind and human nature. When people come to us, they come to us for cure. They're not coming to be treated. They're not coming to learn how to live with their disease forever. They're actually putting their trust in the surgeon, in the physician, in the nurse, and the list goes on. They're actually putting their trust that you're going to show me how to be cured. That's what they're doing. That is the understanding in their mind. We need to help them understand if we're giving them a drug, we have to understand the parameters, number one. Secondly, we need to understand that we need to tell them the truth. This does not cure. Even if you get well, this did not help you get well. You got well because of the way God made you and the way God made your body. You were healed in spite of the drug. Now, if you don't like that, Again, read Ministry Healing 126. Those words I just said, they are healed in spite of the drug. That's an exact statement from Ministry Healing 126. So we need to educate the people and help them understand that if you're going to be God's gospel medical missionary evangelist. Now, as much as God says, yes, there are times, places, and cases where this may be applicable, but we need to understand the balance council. I text my dear brother Norman McNulty this morning. I said, brother, please tell me you're going to be at the meeting this morning. And he was like, oh, I can't be there. I got to go and so on. I said, brother, all right, no problem. I said, when you get to Audioverse, I said, you make sure you listen to this one. I said, you're going to love this. Because McNulty, that's my buddy. That's my boy. Seriously, I I appreciate very much. We've had a lot of side conversations and talks about the word of God and things that are happening in this world. And it is very evident that the Lord is leading his mind. And I want you to watch this. Yesterday, we heard about justification by faith, didn't we? We heard about that, that beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, foundational teaching of all the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God has shown us how man can be a recipient of his righteousness by faith that is revealed in the life. Now, watch this. When we typically think, man, this is sweet. I can't wait to show you this. When, 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 When we typically think of justification by faith, What is justification by faith? It's the work of God laying the glory of man in the dust and doing for man what man cannot do for himself. We see that all throughout the Bible. Noah couldn't build that ark. God did it. (laughs) You understand that? 
God was the one that delivered the children of Israel. God was the one. He constantly did for man what man could not do for himself once man was willing to let God lay their glory in the dust and understand that all glory belongs to me. We normally think of justification by faith purely in a spiritual realm. Many of us have either preached or quoted Evangelism 190, where it talks about what is, uh, is the third angel's message, justification by faith. Oh, yes, the third angel's message is justification by faith in verity. We talk about that. But my brothers and sisters, when Norman was preaching yesterday, I said, come on, brother, bring it out. Bring it out. Because I got to tell you, I got my Sabbath treat yesterday. We used to tell my children about that. My children, I have four children. They're ages 19, 18, 17, 16 now. But, you know, when they were little children, we would go ahead and give them a little Sabbath treat, you know, something special. I got a Sabbath treat yesterday. It was right at that table. We were all talking together. My brother Fred Bishop, uh, Fred, brother Fred Bishop, he said, hey, did you ever consider the full context of the quote? You know, we often quote it, et cetera. And I started to look at it. And as I looked at it, I just started bubbling over with joy. Watch this. None but God can subdue the pride of man's heart. Do you believe that? Only God can do it. We can't humble ourselves. Only God can truly give us that humility that we need. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot regenerate ourselves. In the heavenly courts, there will be no song sung to me that loved myself and washed myself, redeemed myself. Unto me be glory and honor, blessing and praise. It says there won't be any song like that in heaven. Now, watch the continuation of this. But this is the keynote of the song that is sung by many here in this world. They do not know what it means to be meek and lowly in heart. Wasn't yesterday's message about being humility and how the righteousness of Christ is what helps us see how humble we should be before the Lord because he's all of the everything and we are nothing when we see our nothingness. So watch this. They do not know what it means to be meek and lowly in heart. And they do not mean to know this if they can avoid it. The whole gospel is comprised in learning of Christ, his meekness and lowliness. Now watch this. And I say amen to that too. Watch this. This letter was written to a sanitarium worker. It was written to a physician. It was written to a health worker. Okay? This letter that we're reading. This gentleman had an issue with pride. This gentleman began to think more of himself than he should. Ellen White wrote a long letter to him, of which we're reading just a portion of it. And she was calling him to a higher level of humility because he thought he was practicing it, but he really wasn't. And so Brother McNulty, he's talking yesterday about pride. He's talking about the dangers of uplifting ourselves and all these other things and how the righteousness of Christ is a tool, a key that God has given to us that helps us to truly understand our position and our condition. Go to 1 Chronicles 29 before we finish the quote. Watch this. In 1 Chronicles, the 29th chapter, if we could really get this verse, and I would recommend that you pray and ask God, Lord, help me to believe this and receive this in my heart. 1 Chronicles, we're looking at chapter 29. And I want you to see what the Bible says. And when you get there, just let me know by saying amen. In 1 Chronicles 29, offerings were being made for God's temple, the cause of God, 
And as this was being done, it got to a point that a beautiful statement is made in verse 14. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? Now let's read the close of the verse together. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. That is a very, very important verse. How many things come of God? All things. And when we give back to God, how much of it belonged to God in the first place? All of it. All things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. So even when we give of our service to others, why would we boast about ourselves if we only understood that were it not for the grace of God, you couldn't even open your hand like that? We're told that God oversees every nerve, every muscle, every heartbeat, every privilege we have to think, the ability to even remember scripture. That's because it's not just innately within us, it's because we have a supervisor that's looking over you and looking over me and enabling you and I every single moment to do as the book of Acts 17 says, to live, move, and have our being. The grace of God. There should be no boasting amongst God's people. And by the way, to whom much is given, it just means that much more shall be required. So Ellen White, is, she's trying to reason with this brother. She's saying, you're a physician. You don't fully understand our truths. You don't fully understand our message. And therefore, I need to educate you under the inspiration of God. So she says this to him. Now watch what she says next. Didn't we read this yesterday? What is justification by faith? It is the work of God in laying the glory of man in the dust and doing for man that which it is not in his power to do for himself. When men see their own nothingness, they are prepared to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Now watch this. When they begin to praise and exalt God all the day long, then by beholding, they are becoming changed into the same image. Watch this. What is regeneration? Next question. It is revealing to man what is his own real nature. That in himself he is, do you believe that? You see, until we believe this, we won't be able to be used by God the way he wants to use us. It says we are to understand that in ourselves we are worthless. These lessons, now she's hitting back, now she's going from general to specific. She says, these lessons you have never learned. She's saying this to a physician. These lessons you have never learned. Oh, that you could realize the value of the human soul. Now watch this. We didn't get to the deep part yet. Watch this. She's, she's, she's disciplining, if you will. Lovingly always, but nevertheless forcefully to get the point of cross. When she made these points, here's what came next. When you understand physiology in its truest sense your drug bills will be very much smaller. And finally, you will cease to deal out drugs at all. It says the physician who depends upon drug medication in his practice shows that he does not understand the delicate machinery of the human organism. It says he is introducing into them a seed that will never lose its destroying properties Throughout the lifetime, have mercy. This is very appropriate to read at Amen. 
Very appropriate. Pay attention to this family because this has a very, very direct. You see, we understood there is trauma. There are emergency situations. But my brothers and sisters, we must understand that when we understand physiology in the truest sense, when we really understand it well, our drug bills will be very much smaller. And finally, they will actually cease to deal our drugs at all. The physician who, what's that word? The physician who depends upon drug medication in his practice. There are some places that people can go where they know I'm going to come in empty-handed and I'm going to leave with paper. They know it. I'm always going to leave with some prescription for something. And what happens is a lot of times there's a whole lot of counsel that's left out. And we just simply deal out drugs. And we give drugs, drugs, drugs. And here, you need to take this, you need to take that. But we need to understand what inspiration is saying. It says if we truly understand physiology, if we really understand how the body works, then we can get to a place that we don't have to deal out the drugs anymore. And the physician who depends upon drug medication in his practice shows that he does not understand the delicate machinery of the human organism. Why? Because he's introducing a seed. Now, this seed is going to come up in the next statement. Notice, I tell you this because I dare not withhold it, Ellen White says. I dare not withhold it. Christ paid too much for man's redemption to have his body so ruthlessly treated as it has been by drug medication. Years ago, look at this family. Years ago, the Lord revealed to me that institutions should be established for treating the sick without drugs. Now, is that a hospital? All right. So I want you to just understand it, family. Just understand it. We're going to clarify. But if who revealed this Ellen White? Does God make mistakes? No, he doesn't. Years ago, the Lord revealed to me that institutions should be established for treating the sick without drugs. Man is God's property and the ruin that has been made of the living habitation, the suffering caused by the seeds of death sown in the human system are an offense to God. Manuscript release, book 20 page 117. That is what, in the words of Jesus, is called a hard saying. That's a hard saying. We got to know how to strike that balance. Emergency, trauma, yes, there may be a place that we have to use this. But on the regular day-to-day, this stuff should not be dealt out to the people as commonly as it is when they visit a clinic or a hospital. It should not be dealt out. It plants out seeds of death. Why? Because it puts poison in the system that can have another effect upon the system at a later time. So we need to understand that when we're thinking about cure, drugs don't cure. Why is it so quiet in here? Can you say amen to that? Drugs don't cure. We have to be okay with that. It's time for a paradigm shift at amen. Amen? We got to understand it, family, because listen, I understand, you know, listen, we make an income, we, we take care of ourselves. I was just like you. I, I was on a roll. I was in a mode. Dwayne was preaching the word. Dwayne's traveling all over the world. Dwayne is, Dwayne is in schools and colleges and going before a whole bunch of educated people while he has a GED to his name. Dwayne is an ignorant fisherman, but he's going before masses of very intelligent people in high places, and he's teaching the word. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is incredible. And God says, there's still something higher that you need to understand. God says, Dwayne, there's still things about your character you don't even recognize. Dwayne, 
If I were to let you die as you are, you'd be a castaway. Many others may have come to me, but you'd be a castaway. And so as much as I pleaded with God, Lord, please take away this heart situation. Lord, please fix my heart. Lord, please. I counseled with every doctor that I knew of. Sister Natasha, I called your dad. Your dad, your dad's my dad. <laughs> I mean, Brother Neblet was just such a blessing to me. Thomas Jackson, absolute. Now, that's my dad. Blessing to me. I talked with so many people in our movement. Some of you who are here at Amen. I mean, you have been a blessing to me. But when I woke up December 19, 2016, and I woke up, God did not just do surgery on my physical heart. God did surgery on my spiritual heart. My brothers and sisters, I see the gospel more clearly than I ever have before. And if we are going to be instruments in his hands to finish his work, it cannot be by status quo. We must understand that there's a need for radical change. It's time to change, family. And God has given us grand and wonderful opportunities, and it will have to be by sacrifice. The glory of man got to be laid in the dust before the righteousness of Christ can truly take possession of our heart. And so it is that this was a counsel that was given to this physician. And my brothers and sisters, if you are a physician, a nurse, or any type of health practitioner, pastor, whatever it may be, a child of God, we must take heed to this counsel. You can read it. You can ignore it. But it would be to your own detriment. It's decision time. So when we're talking about cure, we're not talking about drugs because drugs don't cure. But that's what you were called to do, to be an instrument in God's hands to help people to experience cure. Not just disease causes and prevention, but cure. That, that scary word. That word that government says we will penalize you if you use it. That same word. My young sister tried to help you understand it. There's no way any of us are going to get out of this situation without battle scars. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be people who are not going to like you. You will suffer financially, and you will going to go through losses. You will be defamed to some degree. Everybody's always trying to preach enough truth just to keep the people lost. I will not do that. I, will not, I love you too much. There's a lot of people playing friendly right now. And they will go so far, and there's a line they won't cross. Pastors are doing that. Preachers and teachers are doing that, and physicians are doing that. We will go just this far. But even though God shows clearly from his word, go forward. We are saying, Lord, just make my plan work in going just this far. I don't want to step over that line. Why don't we want to step over that line? Because there's something scary, we think, that's going to happen to us. And you know what that means? That we've been lying because we said we trust God. Lord, I trust you, but I'm not going to go all the way with you. That is a contradiction. You have to embrace that family. That's a contradiction. If you trust God, you go forward. And you leave consequences with him. You don't be fanatical, but you go forward. Prevention. God's way of curing is very powerful, and we need to talk about it. 
when we think of prevention, we think of the laws of health. I understand that we are in a new start environment here, but I like the other acronym, God's Plan, as you can see, G-O-D-S-P-L-A-N, God's Plan, okay? Um, there are reasons I like it. I believe that everything starts with God, you know? Now, I'm not here to condemn new start. It, 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 that's, 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 that's a silly fight to even get into, so I'm not even going to get into that. If you use new start, you're not in the apostate. You're fine. If somebody uses God's Plan, they're not in the apostate. You're fine. I didn't see heaven say, uh, we trademark this name. God can use all sorts of acronyms. It's fine. The bottom line is get out the laws of health. When we think of the laws of health, we have godly trust. We have open air. We have daily exercise. We have sunshine. We have proper rest. We have lots of water. Always temperate and nutrition. Now, this is what we call the eight laws of health. Is that right? Is that what we call the eight laws of health? You know, I heard my brother say that amen still could use some money. You said that, right? Like, amen could still use some offerings? How would you like me to write a $1,000 check to amen? Would you like that? Okay. He said, sure. He hesitated. He's like, do you got it? <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. I think. I'm talking to my wife. But nevertheless, watch this. I will write a check. For $1,000 to amen right now. And I know you want amen to be supported, don't you? Amen. I will write a check for $1,000 right now. Right now. If you can give me one Bible verse or spirit of prophecy quote. Oh, let me preface this. Thank you, Lord. He reminded me. Anytime I do a question and answer session at a church, I always forewarn the people ahead of time. I say, listen. As we do this question and answer session, sometimes you may ask questions that I'm going to answer. But when I answer it, there's a possibility that you might not agree with what I give. If you disagree, that's okay. But we should not be disagreeable. Do you get that difference? Get that line? So... We can disagree, but we should not be disagreeable. Would you agree with that? Is that all right in here? Am I safe? Amen. Now, let's get back to that $1,000. I will write a check for $1,000. If you can show me anywhere in the Bible or the spirit of prophecy where God limits his laws of health, to eight. Give me Bible. And what I would not recommend is that you just give me Ministry Healing 127 because I already got something for that. We've said eight laws of health like that thing was written on stone by Jesus himself. There are some potential dangers with that thought process. I was in Oklahoma. I was in uh, Emmanuel Beck's church, and Pastor, you know, my brother Neil Nedley was there. Very kind man, wonderful man. Sat with him, talked with him, and we were training physicians in his church. Uh, boy, I tell you, it's very, this is humbling. It don't even make sense. But here I am, and I'm instructing all these folks on different principles of the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, and et cetera, and medical missionary work. One of the things, I remember when I went through this part, because, you know, this new start, you know, it kind of, that's a Weimar baby, you know? 
and what have you. So when we were talking about this, I said, did you know there's more than eight? And they were like, huh, what are you talking about? And I said, no, really, there's more than eight. There's more. And I'm going to prove it. You want proof? Let's go. I want you to count with me everything that's in bold, okay? Count with me everything. So when I mention it, say one, then two, all right? Here we go. Pure air, water, cleanliness, proper diet, purity of life, firm trust in God. That's six. Now watch this. Our remedies. What are they? Remedies. Okay. Our remedies for the want of which thousands are dying. Yet these remedies are going out of date because their skillful use requires work that the people do not appreciate. Fresh air. Nah, bad students. Failed. Remember, you're only supposed to count that which is in bold. Fresh air was already mentioned at the top left. See that? It's just called pure air. Same thing. So we're still at what number? Six. Very good. So fresh air. Exercise. Seven. Pure water. Very good, class. Clean, sweet premises. Eight. Now watch this. Cleanliness deals with your person. Clean, sweet premises deals with your property. I did a consultation at a man's house not long ago. And when I went into his house, I shook his hand. Shook his hand, gave the brother a hug. Hmm, he smelled very nice. Just happened to notice it, because I gave him a hug. But then he said, have a seat. So I sat down, and as I was sitting down in his house, we started going through his lifestyle consultation. He had seizures and some other problems. We started going through it. And then at a certain point, my peripheral said, I see something. And then I looked, and it was a roach. And I was like, oh boy. Okay. I had a colleague with me. The colleague starts itching. And I was like, oh boy. Well, we're in the house now. Lord, protect us. Okay, we keep going. At a certain point, may I use your bathroom? Oh, absolutely. I go to his bathroom because I just had to, you know, just. So I go to the bathroom. I saw roaches crawling all over his toothbrush. I saw caked up dirt in different parts. His house had a very foul smell. His person was very clean. His premises weren't. You understand that? Can an environment like that make somebody sick? You better believe it. So what number are we up to? We're up to eight. Now watch this. It says, uh, clean, sweet premises are within the reach of all with but little expense. But drugs are expensive, both in their outlay of means and the effect produced upon the system. Councils on Health, 323. So how many did we count so far? Eight. Now, let's go to the popular ministry of healing, 127. Notice what's in bold. Pure air. We don't count that because that was in the other quote already. Sunlight, nine. Abstemiousness, that's temperance, 10. Rest, 11. Exercise, proper diet, the use of water, trust in divine power. These are the true remedies. So my thinking brain says, Father, why is it that Councils on Health says remedies? Why is it that Ministry of Healing 127 says true remedies? The Lord says, Dwayne, how do you read? Context. Go up the paragraphs. 
I went up the paragraphs, and you know what she says? Many people dispense of drugs. They perceive these as a remedy. But then she shows, but it is not. Then she transitions into these laws, and she says these laws are the true remedies. So she was simply saying that to contrast a real remedy from a false remedy. You get that? See that difference? A real remedy from a false remedy. So there's no difference between remedies here and true remedies there. They have the same effectual power and they come from the same God. So we counted how much? Eleven. Now watch this. The use of water, trust in divine power, these are the true remedies. Every person should have a knowledge of nature's remedial agencies and how to apply them. It is essential both to understand the principles involved in the treatment of the sick and to have a practical training that will enable one rightly to use this knowledge. So how many did we count? Eleven. But wait. What I'm about to show you right here, this is when we had the movement. I was there with all those doctors at that church in Oklahoma. We're going through all these different principles. And we're going through it. We're talking about practical ways that this can be practiced and lived out and, and we could receive all the benefits. Then I said, now watch this next one. I showed the next one. When I showed the next one, I said, this is a law of health too. Many of them were like, huh. They just did that. Huh. You know, they, they, they were just floored. Like, huh. can you imagine that? Never saw that before. Huh. You know, and they were just floored by this. What was it that they were floored by? Knowledge must be gained in regards on how to eat and drink. And what else? Dr and what else? And what else? Dress. So as to preserve what? Health. Sickness is the result of violating nature's law. Our first duty, one which we owe to God, to ourselves, and to our fellow man, is to obey the laws of God. These include the laws of health. What is included in the laws of health? Dress. Twelve. Christian temperance, Bible hygiene, page 12, paragraph 3. My friends, I think amen won't be getting that $1,000. My brothers and sisters... Here's the danger. If you talk to people about eight, you might neglect the four. And while we're trying to help them get well, we've neglected other things that we should have been teaching. And those things that we're teaching them, they need to understand that that can impact your health. So somebody could drink water, get sunlight, get proper rest, and a lot of other things. But because they're not dressing in a healthful manner, or because they don't have clean, sweet premises, their place is filthy, or because they're not taking proper care of their bodies, or because though they might have a trust in God's power, they don't have a life that's pure. They can still suffer with sickness and disease. And then when they die, we'll say, oh, well, it must have been God's will rather than being like those disciples and saying, Lord, why couldn't we heal that person? Jesus, you went through whole villages. It is true, as Elder Finley said, there are some cases where Jesus did not heal everyone, but there are other cases where he did. There are other cases where he went through a village and the Bible says not one person remained that was sick. So it's a balance. There are some cases where not even one person has to leave you with their ailment anymore. You understand that? 
But it's up to us. I believe that God has so much power that he wants to avail to us. It's just that we're not being like those disciples and humbling ourselves and letting our minds unite with God. And to truly say, Lord, I trust you by demonstrating that I will live your words. That's the issue. I need you to understand what I'm saying, family. We, we talk Bible and spirit of prophecy so much. And yes, there are fanatics out there. I understand that. But this is not fanaticism. I'm telling you, you can test it. I expect you to be a good Berean. Test every single thing I'm saying to you. And my email is lemondwayne at gmail.com. You send me an email. You let me know. Stand a correction, Brother Lemon. Da, da, da. Because another thing is that the Lord has taught me to be teachable. You give me balancing quotes, no problem. But my brothers and sisters... Often before I teach something publicly, we do our best to do a thorough study on it, share it with other leaders and other people, let them take a look at it, and get back. I've been teaching this for years, and not one person has come back to say, there's more than one. I've heard people say, oh, they overlap. I said, no, they do not overlap. That's you saying that. That's not what inspiration says. Well, it's all temperance. Well, then why did God say nutrition? You got to be temperate in eating. God labels them specifically because that's what they are. They're specific principles of health. And he wanted us to follow them. And it's so that we can enjoy the blessings that heaven wants to give. And I respect the fact if anyone disagrees, just remember, let's not be disagreeable about it. The key is study to show thyself approved, family. Sometimes we neglect these laws of health. We neglect it, neglect it, neglect it. And people are being hurt by it. They're being sick by it. And some of them are even dying. I... If, if we had, like, class time, literally, I go through each of the forgotten laws or the neglected laws, and we show spirit of prophecy, we show Bible, and then we show practical application and reality and true science today of how if you don't dress right, here's what can happen to you. This is what the medical science is saying, because I know we love science. What I'm telling you is that this is real. God has always proven that he's way ahead of science. He's way ahead of humanity. He's the author of science. True science, not the falsely so-called. And so it is that God wants us to understand he has a plan to show people how to prevent. The laws of health are designed to prevent sickness and disease. If we dress healthfully, eat healthfully, and do all of these different principles, my brothers and sisters, we put ourselves in the best advantage that if we get sick anyhow, it's almost as if we can say, praise the Lord, this must be a Job situation. Because God has helped me to understand his principles of health. And by his grace, I want to love him enough to live up to it. Cure. When you think of the cure, remember what the Bible says. I remember the uh, physician who talked with my mother when she had stage four cancer. He said to her, Mrs. Lemon, I have bad news. He says, I cannot cure you. And you know, under my breath, I said, tell me something I don't know. What ever made you think you can cure anybody? There's no physician in this room that can cure anyone. And if anyone got cured under your help, you didn't cure them. It was God that cured them. You were God's instrument. And we should be okay being the instrument in the Lord's hand without taking credit from him. Because even that is a species of stealing, which is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. God wants us to be humble servants. God says, behold, I will bring it health. And cure. Now, health is prevention. Cure is overcoming. God says, I bring both. So I would like to recommend to you this. Start praying a lot more about God helping you 
to be obedient to his laws of health. Because God brings us health. God enables us to get all the water in we're supposed to get, to exercise all the time, to dress properly, and to have true, thorough, deep, vital connection with him that produces deep trust. It takes Christ's help to live the laws of health. The laws of health are just as sacred as the Ten Commandments. You cannot just say, oh, I'll do it because I said I'm going to. I'll do it because I want to. Because I think a lot of us are probably living failures in this room right now. A lot of us know how much water we should be drinking every day, but a lot of us can go days without drinking all the water we should. A lot of us know we're supposed to exercise every day, but we're just not getting it in because we say, Lord, I'm too busy. A lot of us know that we need to go beyond a one-page devotional in the morning and to have deep, vital communion with God where we devote ourselves to him as a result of the communion. But a lot of us are always in a rush that we can only get in a quick little one-page reading, da-da-da-da-da, amen, and then we're gone. A lot of us are living this kind of life where we're violating the laws of health. We're violating the law of God. And God has been merciful to us. But my family, there does come a point in time that we can't keep teaching people to violate the laws of health as sin. We teach that. Hopefully you do. And if you teach to violate the laws of health as sin, then we should let Jesus give us victory over sin before we start telling everybody else about it. We should cooperate with him better and stop making excuses that because I'm God's man, I'm God's servant, surely. That's the mistake that I made. When When my heart started going down and they told me what was wrong, I literally retaliated back to God. I said, Lord, I have, I have dealt with people that smile in my face and talk behind my back. I've had divisions say that I can't come to preach, and I asked them why, and they say, figure it out. I've had people who literally smile, hi, Brother Lemon, and they give me all their fake smiles and everything, and then at the end of the day, they're in rooms talking with their spouses or talking with other people, talking about their brother rather than picking up the phone. My number's a worldwide number. I get calls from all over the planet. Call me. If you really see that I'm going down in a dangerous path, don't gossip about me because you're going to go to hell with me. It's like, call me. I told you, don't be fooled by the eyebrows. I'm very approachable. <laughs> I'm preaching with pathos right now, but I mean, you know, this is preaching. When I come down, I'm not like, how are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's not how I talk to people. I'm like, brother, how you doing, man? Give me a hug. You know, I mean, I'm a normal person. I do cartwheels and everything. My point is very simple. We got to learn how to be brethren. And if we identify each other's weaknesses... Let's be a Proverbs 27, 17 type of child of God. Iron sharpeneth iron. Help each other, man. We're all on the same journey. We don't have to get caught up in this foolishness. And so it is that God is just simply trying to say, we we are not being consistent. And I I remember I, I said, Lord, I have dealt with backbiting, backstabbing. I've dealt with this. I've dealt with that and so on. And here it is. You going to let your servant go down like that? All that service I've been giving you? And now you're going to let me die on a surgical table? Brothers and sisters, I stand as a man in repentance before God because I was not like Job. I was not like, I will not charge God with folly no matter what. I was charging God with folly. I was saying, what are you doing? I'm your servant. I am throwing out what I've done before God as if he owes me life. God could have said, son, now you're going to sleep. <laughs> but God is, his loving kindness 
And his grace is so incalculable. And God says, in the midst of all of it, somehow he saw a little bit later in the future, he's going to snap out of that mess. And I will better use him. And that's what I'm telling you. It's from the love of my heart that I'm telling you. We got to get to a place to let God be God. We got to do his words exactly what he says. We must demonstrate our love and stop talking about it. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Another word for commandments is word. Keep my words. When Jesus gives us his words, keep them. It's the greatest way you can demonstrate you love him. He says, I bring health. I bring cure. That's my prerogative. We don't cure. God does. Now, what are the means and methods and modalities? Watch this. A special gift of the Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is instrumental in healing? The Bible says it right there. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so instrumental in the healing work. And so I agree with Councils on Diets and Foods, page 25, where it says, if we are going to bring healing to others, we must have the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our homes. Councils on Diets and Foods, page 25. Write it down. If we are going to be instruments for healing to others, we must have the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our homes. Now, watch this other statement. If somebody was sick and you had the best medicine to give them, wouldn't you want to give them that first? If somebody was sick and you had the best medicine for them, wouldn't you want to give that first before you give them the not-so-good medicines? Of course. So what's the best medicine? The influence of the Spirit of God is the very best medicine that can be received by a sick man or woman. Medical ministry, page 12. The influence of the Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, every morning you should ask God on your knees, Lord, fill me with your presence. Give me your spirit. Help me to have your mind that if I see someone today and I become an instrument of help, I pray that I'm so filled with your spirit that his influence will exude from me to the precious soul that I'm ministering to. You know, when you think of the influence of the Holy Spirit, we know there's love. There's also what else? Joy. Peace and long-suffering, etc. I want to talk about joy for a second. The Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. If there's one thing that we can do is bring a little bit more joy into people's life. This is some of those things. That's why I appreciate it. I mean, seriously, I very much respect the health clinics, etc. I would caution us, please don't limit it to that. There's much, much more that God wants you to do than a health clinic. Health clinics should not be eliminated. Health clinics just should not be understood as that's medical missionary work. That's, that's very important for you all to understand. That is not in and of itself medical missionary work, just simply doing the health clinics. It's an aspect of it. But God wants something much, much deeper. It is great that you can talk with people and pray with them. But my brother, you and I all know that you know, one prayer may not always have the long-lasting effects that God desires. So again, nothing wrong with praying with the patients. Just don't limit that to saying, now I'm bringing spirituality into my medical practice. Don't limit that. You're limiting God. God wants much more, much more than that. It's great to do that, but God wants much more than that. Can you say amen to that? All right, so the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we touch those precious souls' lives... We're bringing a little joy into their heart. Now, look, look at this. I love this statement. 
Did you know in order to have perfect health, our hearts must be filled with hope and love and joy? Councils on Health, 587. Isn't that sweet? You and I should be instruments to help people know what love and hope and joy is in Jesus. This is the only way that they can have it. Love, hope, and joy in Christ. This should be our instrument. Then the Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. You see the shape of those pills? You pay attention to it? Took time to find that picture. Little hearts. Merry heart does good just like a medicine. I've met, I, I had one brother, he had renal failure. We were talking about some things and you know, how he can, you know, just continue to live his life. His kidneys failed. And he was just like, brother, let me, he says, man, I just wish so much I could have my kidneys, you know, functional again. I said, my brother, all I can say is this. God is in control of all things, and the Lord never makes a mistake. But I said, but I will give you a little prelude to what's getting ready to come. God is preparing to pour out his spirit without measure upon a people. And if you are willing to be a recipient of God's spirit without measure, there's not only spiritual blessings that will come under this latter rain power, there's physical blessings that will come. And I said, and I just want you to read this with me. And I gave him my little book. He was a Seventh-day Adventist. I gave him my little book, and here's what the book said. The book said, the Holy Spirit will make all who are willing. Are you willing? It says the Holy Spirit will make all who are willing to be educated, able to communicate the truth with power. It will renew every organ of the body that God's servants may work acceptably and successfully. God's spirit can renew how many organs? Does that include the kidneys? I said, brother, you hang in there. I said, God may appoint you to be one of those that will receive that unlimited endowment of his Holy Spirit, by which there is healing, as we read in 1 Corinthians 12, that organs that man has said cannot come back if God can resurrect a whole body, I think it's nothing for him to resurrect an organ. Oh, if only we could have faith. And so it is when we think of cure, we should help people understand that joy that they can find in Jesus. But we also need to understand hydrotherapy. It's not always about drinking water. It's also about using water. We must become educated. If you're a physician in this room, you should know how to do hydrotherapy treatments. You should know how to do a hot foot bath. You should know how to talk about contrast showers. You should know how to walk people through these very simple steps. But not just hydrotherapy. Massage. We should understand how massage benefits, especially circulation. We're told in the book Ministry of Healing, perfect, in order to have perfect health, we must have perfect circulation. Massage is one of the instruments that helps bring that. Husbands and wives, this is something we should definitely know. When the husband comes home and he's like, ah, my back, we shouldn't be like, well, go find that medical missionary somewhere down the road. We should be able to say, come. And we know how to go ahead and relieve them. You understand that? Massage. We have to learn. The, these are all heaven-ordained principles. Yes, can science go ahead and mess with it? Can you know, people go out there and do all sorts of strange things to it? Sure they can. But my brothers and sisters, there's a way you can learn massage without the witchcraft attack, attached to it. But you need to learn massage. These are things we should learn. 
We should find places and institutes. That's why I'm thankful. We have Wildwood here. We have Yuji Pines. We have Eden Valley. And we have Meat Ministry. We have organizations here that teach these things. So if you don't know it, I would recommend, why don't you go to some of your brethren and get educated if you're willing to be humble and realize you can be shown some other things. Herbs. You know, it's funny. And, and amen's a cute org. Well, there are things that are said at amen that are very interesting. When we talk about herbs, you know, you know what a lot of physicians often say? Maybe it's not you, but a lot of physicians say stuff like this. If you say, yeah, you know, we show people how to get well sometimes using herbs. Physicians go, hey, be careful with that stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I agree. We should be judicious with herbal supplementation. Too much vitamin A can become toxic to the system, okay? Too much vitamin D can cause calcification in the arteries, okay? So there's definitely a need to understand that you need to be careful. But here's what I find mind-blowing. Somebody says, herbs. They say, hey, be careful. But you say, drugs. And they say, come, tell me about it. That makes no sense. That makes zero sense. You know why it makes zero sense? Because clinical to- Journal of Clinical Toxicology, no deaths from any dietary supplement, including calcium, magnesium, chromium, zinc, colloidal silver, selenium, iron, or multivitamin, were recorded by the U.S. National Poison Data System in 2014, the latest data that is available. There were also no deaths from any amino acid or herbal supplements, including blue cohosh, echinacea, ginkgo biloba, ginseng, kava kava, St. John's wort, valerian, yohimbe, and any Asian or Ayurvedic medicine. It says the data system also recorded no deaths for glucosamine or chondroitin or from any other homeopathic remedy. But let's notice the closing one. It says in reference to prescription medication, around 150,000 Americans die each year from an adverse reaction to a drug properly prescribed and taken. And a further 350,000 die from a drug incorrectly administered, either because of error or from a deliberate overdose. With this type of statistic, we should be far more open-minded to herbs and a lot more, hey, be careful with them drugs that that salesman comes to your office with. According to the data, that's data. We don't have any recordings of people dying from taking herbs. Yes, there are some people who go to the ER because they took too much of some herb and now they got a tachycardia. Or maybe they took some herb and now they might have had an acute liver reaction or kidney reaction. I understand that. Those are things, again, we have to be judicious and knowledgeable when it comes to the herbs. But you should be afraid far more of drug medication. That, that's why some physicians, they make me, it, it, it's, it's almost like sadly humorous. It's like, hold up, you're so careful with herbs when they don't have half not even minutely close to the data that a lot of these prescribed medicines have done to people. We should be balanced in these things, family. Remember, God likes balance. You like balance? Why are you so quiet? You're supposed to love truth. The Bible says love rejoices in the truth. I was rejoicing when I was putting this together. 
Oh, Lord, this is sweet. Because it's a wonderful organization to say these kind of things. Video clip. You ready? Watch this few-minute video clip. It's happening at warnings on some popular non-aspirin painkillers saying that the drugs cause an increased risk of heart failure. The agency says it's making the change in light of some new data that just came out. And the affected brands are ones you know, Advil, Motrin, Aleve, for example. Let's bring in Dr. Marty McCary, physician and professor of public health at Johns Hopkins. So Dr. McCary, we all know the names of those brands. What does this data really tell us? Well, it's interesting. These are some of the most popular medications in the United States. I mean, maybe up to a quarter of everybody in the country are on one of these medications. And what the FDA here is saying is that we've known about the risks to the heart. They're very small, but we are, and we now have more information that those risks are definitely there. So they are upgrading the warning that goes on these medications to say it's not just that they may cause heart problems, is that they can cause heart problems especially in patients that are high risk for heart problems. Can you describe this heart problems? Because I think when we hear a, a story like this, we think, okay, so I'm going to take a few Advil and suddenly I'm going to have a heart attack. It's easy, it, it's easy to go from point A to point B too quickly. So what kind of heart problems are we talking about here? Well, these are problems like early onset heart attack and valve problems, heart problems with the heart function. But the real concern here is that patients that are at risk for these things happening anyway, people with a family history of heart attack or have had heart surgery in the past, it can precipitate these events sooner. And that's why the FDA is saying, if you're at high risk, you're really the population that needs to say, hey, don't just take medications because we thought they're safe. We, we liberally prescribe these medications telling people they're safe. Right. We should think twice when people don't really need them. According to the New York Times, the studies estimated that the relative risk increased by 10 to 50% depending on the drugs and the dosages. So if you have any sort of heart problems in your family history, should you avoid these drugs completely? Why even take any of them? Well, these are what we call lifestyle drugs. They're not preventing disease or treating disease. They're usually just allowing you to function better, usually. So if you can get by without them, get by without them if you're high risk for heart disease. And I mean, you see patients all the time that say, you know, Doc, I'd rather just not take any medications. I don't like taking medications. There's probably some wisdom there when you don't need them. And it's just, you know, you think about the reasons why, very simple reasons why you might take a painkiller, and now you hear other things about, for example, Tylenol. One wonders if there's any really safe painkillers out there, Dr. McGarry. Yeah, now Tylenol is separate from this, so it's, it's considered an alternative to the drugs con concerning in this report, but it's got its own risks of liver problems right. in high doses. So yeah, there's probably no totally benign safe medication out there. Even aspirin is in this family, and that's what we use to treat heart attacks. Well, it's a good thing. Just a reminder, if you don't really need it, don't take it. If you do take it, you have to be aware of this. Maybe just a nice warm cup of tea. <laughs> My cup is off. Back in least resistant. Dr. McCary, great to have you on as always. Thank you very much. There are a thousand videos like this that are out there. Tons and tons of data, tons and tons of information. And, it's, and what, I think what, what concerns me more than anything else is how something can be approved, and then next thing you know, they say, uh-oh, hey, uh, after further research, we realize we need to up the warnings or just withdraw it altogether. I believe with all my heart we need to learn how to take better charge of our health. We need to understand that God has a plan. We need to understand that this is a... This, this plan right here uh, is, is, is limited in many ways, but God has a plan that even works post Mark of the Beast. And so the sooner we can get on that plan, the wiser and the better off we will be for that. 
When you think of an herb, a plant or plant part valued for its medicinal, savory, or aromatic qualities, planted parsley, basil, rosemary, I mean, these are, these are simple herbs. These are the things that God wants us to become more intelligent in. He wants us to understand that. And I say that even to some of our medical missionary institutes, because sometimes we're still a little reluctant to use certain herbal medication. Again, we need to do it judiciously, intelligently. We need to understand it. And there is data out there for those who are willing to search it. But the bottom line is, is for many of us here, it's probably going to be a major stepping backwards to go forward and do it God's way. The Bible is very clear in this. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Genesis 3.18. God also makes it clear Right there in Psalms 104, he says, food is your medicine. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth. The word service literally means to minister. God gives the herb to minister to man. Why are we so afraid of it? Probably 30% of even pharmaceuticals comes from an herb. Aspirin comes from white willow bark. You understand that? So, I mean, there's a lot of things out there that we don't have to be as afraid of the herbs as a lot of people are, we just need a deeper level of education. I'll give you an example. With the heart issues, cardiologist, we know our dear president, he's a cardiologist, God bless him, had a wonderful time sitting down with him uh, at the meal yesterday. But when you think about herbs for the heart, all cardiologists should know this. You should know about things like <laughs> motherwort, you know, Leonora's cardiaca. That's what motherwort is called, cardiaca. It's, it's for the heart. Then you have cayenne pepper, excellent vasodilator, coenzyme Q10, and hawthorn berry. I mean, these are things that if you're a cardiologist, you need to know about that. There are cardiologists who have decided, I'm not putting my trust into these drugs. I'm going to look at other things. And these things have been thoroughly verified to help the heart from blood pressure to, you know, dealing with tachycardia or bradycardia. I mean, it deals with so much. It's all there. This is information people know. Valvular issues, you can't go wrong with hawthorn berry. It actually helps tone up the valve. These things are documented, it's true. And so what happens is we're scared of it because like anyone, you're scared of what you don't know. What God says is, know it. He says, learn it. Get educated. I can't get educated, I'm already educated. Hey, we just talked about that whole pride thing. We need to treat it like toilet paper and flush it. We need to really understand that this pride, Lord, please help me surrender this thing. This is going to kill me because pride always comes before a fall. You got to get to that precious place that you can say, Lord, help me to be humble. Help me to be a student. Help me to learn how to be teachable under a good instructor. But we must be teachable. If all of these scare you, then at least I'm sure you can handle this, can't you? I mean, can't we just at least tell people eat some garlic? You know, okay, fine. If you have thrombocytopenia, I understand. Your platelets are not, you know, coagulating well. And yes, eating a whole lot of garlic, yes, it can have a blood thinning, you know, effect. That's true. But my brothers and sisters, come on, come on. I mean, a few pieces of garlic every day, I mean, the thing does wonders for the body. We need to just simply learn it. We got to take the time and learn it. Food preparation, healthy food pre That's a raw pizza, as an example. Total nutrition. Food prep. These are things that God wants us to do. And somebody says, Brother Lemon, okay, 
You have talked about disease. You've talked about causes. You've talked about prevention. You've talked about cure. And hardly any of this I can ever see happening in the hospital or clinic or even in my private practice. How in the world can I start implementing these things more carefully? Well, there are several options. One I'm going to talk about is the great ideal. It was a Christmas gift. The Christmas gift was given to us by God. I call it the Christmas gift. God didn't call it that. That Christmas gift, I call it the Christmas gift only because it was on December 25th that God gave it to his people. What was this gift? It was called the sanitarium work. December 25, 1865. Precious gift that God gave to, yeah, no problem. Precious gift, gift that God gave was the sanitarium work. When you think about the sanitarium work, you think about home-like structures. It wasn't big buildings like today we see with many of our hospitals. Simple, little, home-like structures. And here's a couple of things it says as we get ready to close. In the preparation of a people for the Lord's second coming, a great work is to be accomplished through the promulgation of health principles. The people are to be instructed in regard to the needs of the physical organism and the value of healthful living as taught in the scriptures. That the bodies which God has created may be presented to him a living sacrifice, fitted to render him acceptable service. There is a great work to be done for suffering humanity in relieving their sufferings by the use of the natural agencies that God has provided and in teaching them how to prevent sickness by the, forgive me, how to treat sickness by the regulation of the appetites and passions. Very good. The people should be taught that transgression of the laws of nature is transgression of the law of God. The people should be taught this. It says they should be taught the truth in physical as well as in spiritual lines, that the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. If thou wilt enter into life, Christ says, keep the commandments. Live out my law as the apple of thine eye. God's commandments obeyed are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Our sanitariums are an educating power to teach the people in these lines. Sanitarium work. As we are closing, my question to you is this. I'm going to go past that. This is, this is a deep quote, but we can pass that. Are you willing? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to learn how to approach disease, its causes, prevention, and cure according to God's plan? That's my appeal to you. And so my question, my brothers and my sisters, medical practitioners in this room, are you willing to change? Because you know there's some change. Are you willing to learn how to approach disease, causes, prevention, and cure in the matter of God's plan? If you are, I like what Brother McNulty said yesterday. Don't everybody stand for it if you're not willing to do it. But if you are, I invite you to stand because I really want to pray for you because you're going to need your brothers and your sisters' prayers. If you're willing to do that, please stand to your feet. If you're willing. If you're willing. If you're willing. If you're willing. It's going to take a lot of courage. It's going to take a lot of wisdom, knowledge, understanding. But God is able. Oh, God can do wonderful things. And as you stand, I want you to know that Christ stands with you. He is your friend that sticks closer than a brother. The powers that be in this world are powerful. But they cannot touch our God. God is calling us to be radically faithful. He will give us wisdom how to do it. But everything starts with the will. Everything depends on the right action of the will. And so as you're willing, let's prepare our hearts to see God do a miracle. Let us pray.
Loving Father, we thank you so much for what you have taught us today. You have spoken your words to our hearts. We thank you for giving us ears to hear. Help us, O oh God, to be faithful. We thank you that this Amen conference has officially come to its conclusion. We have been charged. Lord, we have much to learn and to unlearn and to learn again. Please, Lord, grant us the humility of Christ that we will go forward in faith, letting not our will, but your will be done. Bless the leadership of Amen. Continue to guide their minds. Bless the various health clinics in preparation, Lord, and truly may all things be done to thy name's honor and glory. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.